Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Joseva Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 What's up, everybody? Zefa here with another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today is super special, more special than any other show we've had yet. And I really mean it. And the reason why is because today our guest of honor is none other than the co-host of the show, Jasper Rivers. And what we're doing, we're, we're changing it up a little bit today because I'm going to essentially be asking all the questions and Jasper is going to be telling his Airbnb story because he's got a great one and obviously it was very inspirational and led him to write Get Paid for Your Pad, launch the podcast Get Paid for Your Pad. So he's going to share with you his story, how it came about and all the cool things that he's learned, his big takeaways. So without further ado, Jasper, welcome to your own show. <laughs> Thanks, man. It's uh, it's great to be, uh, to be on the show cool. and uh, I'm excited to share my experiences with the listeners awesome and where are you right now i'm actually in ireland i'm uh, doing a little family get together here in the middle of nowhere on one of the most western points of of ireland it's a very pretty beautiful surroundings here and who do you have there you have your mom your dad who else yep it's my mom it's my dad it's my brother and his girlfriend as well. Sweet. Sounds good. So here's where we are going to start the story. Because I know the story back to, back to front. I know it very well. And I think the best place to start is right after you graduated from university. You had a master's degree in econometrics, I believe. And you began working at a trading firm. So why don't you start us there? So tell us about your life at that point. Yeah, so my idea of being successful was always to make a lot of money. And even though in the back of my head I wasn't sure if that was really what I wanted, I didn't really know what else to do. So I decided to work for a trading firm because I heard great stories about trading and I heard people talking about like buying boats and cars and all that crazy stuff that we dream about when we're little boys. So I figured that uh, that would be a good uh, good place to start my career. Awesome. And what, is, what does that mean, by the way, when you say trading for, for the non-finance folks? So what we did is we I was an arbitrage trader, which basically means I was trading stocks that were listed on different markets. So, for example, you have a big company like... Royal Dutch Shell, the oil company, it would be listed in Amsterdam, in London, and in New York. But essentially, it's the same share. So if there's a price difference between the shares are, that are traded in New York and Amsterdam, then I can buy one and sell the other and make a small profit. 
I see. And so you did, and how long did you work at this trading firm for? I worked in Amsterdam for five years and then I moved to Chicago, which, which is where I met you right. <laughs> through a, a common friend and colleague. And I worked in Chicago for one year after I decided to leave the financial world and begin my new life as a as an entrepreneur and traveler and and what was the major impetus that that pushed you out of the corporate world and into into your new life and we're gonna we're gonna talk about what you're doing what you've been doing since you left but what was that final moment that pushed you into a, a new beginning so first of all it was it wasn't a very easy decision to to leave everything behind and to give up my career but the most important motivation for me was I was really worried that if I was going to grow old and never really try to live the life that I wanted to live, that I would end up having a lot of regrets. And that just felt horrible. I was just imagining growing up and thinking, oh, now it's too late. Why, why did I never try to to live that life and take that chance and that's really what made me feel like i didn't have an option i kind of just had to do it because i knew it was now or never um i i just imagined once i settle into this life the longer i i, I settle into it the more solid it becomes and once you start once you get married and you get children i'm never going to do it so you know, I just I just felt like I had to do it. Now, you had this moment, you felt you had to do it, and what was it that you had to do? What did you end up moving on to do? Well, my dream was always to be completely free and to explore the world, you know, learn different cultures, learn languages, and really just that the... The concept of ultimate freedom, being able to go wherever I wanted to go, be with the people I wanted to be with, and do the things I wanted to do. That's something that I've just always been dreaming about, and I, I just had to experience it. I just had to know what it would be like. And so then you basically, and so you just took your stuff, packed up, and set sail? Absolutely. I, I got rid of all my belongings and I went to Brazil and spent three months on the beach figuring out what my next step would be. Okay, so now we've gotten a glimpse of your life as an arbitrage trader, buying and selling stocks, making tons of cash. Tell us about your, describe your life after you made the leap, what were you? What was your life on a day-to-day -day basis, exploring cultures and traveling? I mean, it was completely different. As most people will know who have regular jobs, your life kind of becomes very, um, very scheduled. You, you know, you get up every every day at the same time. You go to work. You do the same stuff at work. You get home. You know, you make dinner, you watch some TV, or you hang out with friends, and then you go to sleep, and everything is, is kind of arranged. You don't really have to make very many decisions. Now, once you're free, 
it's it's very weird. Like it's almost like the world opens itself up, and suddenly you have so many possibilities. You can go anywhere you want. You can you can meet anyone you want. You can do whatever you want, and it's 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 really interesting how that sort of changes the dynamic of of your life because suddenly your your brain is not occupied with your day to day job. So it's almost like there's opportunities coming out of every corner and there's there's 10 different places that you want to go to there's you know 15 different things that you want to do and uh, it becomes a uh, it's it, it's almost like like a like a, the opposite of of what it is when you have a regular job if that makes any sense yeah. So, what do you, what do you mean by that? So, what what types of opportunities or what types of things manifest? Well, first of all, you know, I I knew I wasn't going to be able to live the rest of my life on my savings, so I had to do something. I had to, you know, find a way to make some money. And what happened to me was, you know, I googled like how to make money online, and I I. I talked to to other entrepreneurs, and it's I just jumped on a lot of projects at the same time, because, like I said, when you don't have a, a job that occupies your mind, you you start thinking everything you see. You you think is there a business opportunity there? Can I you know can I make some money? And just to give you an example, I met a a German guy in Brazil, and he was telling me about these Volkswagen vans that were really expensive in Germany and how they were really cheap in Brazil. So I immediately thought, oh, that sounds like a great opportunity. I can buy a van in Brazil and I can ship it to Germany and I can sell it there. You know, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just, it just seems like there's so many opportunities and then they might not even be opportunities, but you think they're opportunities, right? Because a lot of the things I tried actually didn't work at all. But I really jumped on a lot of projects, and uh, I guess it's all um, it's all good because it's kind of like going to school. Instead, you're you're learning through practice instead of theory. So, if I understand this correctly, you're so you're saying that once you stepped away. Suddenly now it's it's almost like and correct me if I'm wrong, it's almost like your eyes were open. Now now you 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 got rid of this blockage and now all of these things were flooding in that maybe had been there but you weren't picking up on them. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I think you describe it well and you know, I, I wanna ask you it's 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 I mean no, you've been through through similar experiences. And is is that what you the way you see it too or hundred percent. Hundred percent. And what I was gonna, what I was gonna ask you next, because I know my answer for this question, is what I was gonna ask you next is for somebody who's looking to make a change or pursue something a bit entrepreneurial or, or, or take you know take a different path. Do you recommend doing that in their spare time while they work nine to five and then come home and work on it in the wee hours, or do you recommend taking the leap, taking a full jump, and then seeing what happens? What's your recommendation and why? Well, first of all, I f I think it it depends on on your situation, but I would I just wouldn't wait too long because 
it's it's a scary jump and i know that it's the people think that the more money you have saved up the more the safer it will be but i don't think that's necessarily true because you know i've i've met a lot of people who've made the jump with very little savings and it creates a, a sense of urgency and it's better to get to get things done quickly so i think most people wait too long that that's not to say that i recommend everybody quit his job right now and 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 go to brazil and sit on the beach and and uh and and start something but if you're if you're thinking about it and you're passionate about something and, and you're thinking about when do you want to do it i would say sooner than later yeah i agree and fair enough you're right it's a nuanced decision and you do need to look at your personal situation, your financial situation, and there, right, there can be exceptions. But overall, I agree, and I think that it is beneficial to just go for it full on because it's kind of bizarre. Like, for example, I used to work as an attorney, and the flip side is, okay, well, you're going to start a business, which is going to take way more time and effort to build than working at some job as an attorney or, or engineer or whatever. Uh, yet they would never allow you to say, okay, well, you can just work uh, in your spare time and on weekends uh, at this job while you do what you do full-time. Like, it doesn't work because that's just not a productive way to build something. So it's like when you're actually building a business from scratch, which, as I said, is way more challenging, it seems logical that you would you yeah. would give it a full go. But And there's a, there's a great quote that I heard the other day, and it said, entrepreneurs are people who are willing to do for a few years what other people won't so that for the rest of their lives they're able to do what other people can't ah. and I, th I thought that was a pretty good one yeah i love it is that is this one of your dutch sayings <laughs> no, i don't think this is a dutch expression uh, but, okay uh, but i think it's very true you know because the first few years it's it's it can be a, a big struggle you know you have ups and downs and there's going to be plenty of times where you feel like it's not going to work out and you have a lot of doubts in your mind and it takes a lot of hard work as well. But once you get there and w once you do have a business running and once you do enjoy that freedom, then it, it will turn out that it's still worth it, you know? And every day is, is exciting. And I think we've talked about this before, how, you know, when you have a regular job, every day is the same. And when you're an entrepreneur, it's like you wake up every morning and you don't know what the day is going to bring. You don't know what kind of achievements you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have throughout the day, and it it just makes every day exciting. And it's also even to build on that. It's your thing. It's your baby that you're you're building, and that feeds into. I mean, that's a big part of the excitement for me. Is I'm just thinking every day, wow, like. I'm just doing things that I like and that I'm proud of and that I'm vested in. And that's, I think, a big differentiator. Uh, exactly. And, and also, that you, you, it's, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, 100%. It, you know, because that's, well, that's the first thing. One of the most important things, I think, is that you choose something that you're passionate about because you're going to have the, the ups and downs. And the downs are, you know, the tough times. And if you're not passionate about what you're doing, then there's a big chance that you're going to give up once you hit one of those low points. 
Yeah, for sure. So you have, so I want to, let's go back to your story now. So you basically are traveling around doing all this cool stuff. Scuba, I, I know what you were doing. You were scuba diving, chilling on beaches, going skiing, uh, meeting awesome people, partying in the craziest locations in the world. It was seriously a fairy tale life, which is still ongoing. But about two years ago, you sort of had a moment where you said, wait a minute, I need, I need to get at least something figured out as far as a stable stream of income. I mean, granted, you made a lot of money as a trader, but you needed, you needed some revenue to start coming in. So what was that moment? And how did you, how did you come to the conclusion that Airbnb was your, was your next step? So when I left Amsterdam and I moved to Chicago to work there as a trader, I wanted to keep my apartment in Amsterdam because it's a really nice apartment. It's in my favorite neighborhood and I didn't want to give it up. So I decided I would rent it out. Now, I wasn't very happy with, well, I first of all, I rented it out long term for two years. So these were expats that I rented it out to for like six to 12 months. And I wasn't very happy with that situation for three reasons. Number one, the return on investment wasn't very good. I wasn't making, you know, a, a very good income from it. Secondly, I couldn't, I could never stay in my house when I was back in Amsterdam because there was always the, the renter who was in the, my house. And thirdly, in Holland, we have very strong laws that protect the renter versus the landlord. So even if you make a contract for one year, if the renter doesn't want to leave, it's almost impossible to get him out. So I would never be guaranteed that I could go back to my house at all. If somebody would just decide, hey, I'm just going to live here for the rest of my life, I would have to go to court and it would be very expensive and there, there would be a fair chance that I would lose. So those are three reasons that I wasn't very happy with that situation. Now, when I first came across Airbnb, I used it a few times during my travels and I really enjoyed staying at Airbnb places and it also really appealed to me, just the idea that you're staying with a local versus you're staying in a hotel. It just created a much better experience for me. And I suddenly realized that I could be doing the same. I could rent out my house on Airbnb. And that way I would have the flexibility to stay in my house when I wanted to. I was, I was guaranteed that my guests would leave. And I, I figured I'd be making more money too. But at the time, I didn't realize how much money I, w I could make with it. I thought maybe I'll make like an extra 50% or something. But just a few months after I started on Airbnb, I was making double the amount of money that I used to make in renting out long term. And even a few months later, I was even making more than that. So that's when I started realizing that my apartment was bringing in a full-time income. And I didn't really have to do anything else. So that was kind of a bit of a breakthrough moment for me. Now, normally we talk to our guests and we don't get into the exact, sometimes we do, but we don't get into the exact numbers usually of how much people make. You've talked about it. You've written about it. So I know you're comfortable with it. 
So let's talk some figures. So what were you making per year before Airbnb and after Airbnb uh, from your apartment? So I was running out my apartment for 1,400 euros a month long term, which in dollars that will be, um, let's see, times 1.3. So let's say about 18, 1900 is my guess. Is that, is that right? Yeah, some, somewhere around that, that, line, that number. Um, right now, I think I'm averaging around $5,000 a month. So that's, that's almost three times as much. That's insane. Which is pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty mind blowing. And, 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 you know, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to write this book because people would always ask me, what, how can you travel full time? Like how, how, how don't you have a job? Like, you know, did you win the lottery or did you inherit like a ton of money or, you know, because it's, uh, I used to meet a lot of people traveling, well, especially when you're traveling by yourself, you, you just kind of organically meet a lot of people. And when I would say like, oh, I have, an, I have an apartment in Amsterdam that I rent out, people would just be shocked that it's possible to just have a small apartment. It's only a two bedroom, you know, it's nothing, nothing crazy that we're talking about here. It's about 800 square feet. And people would just be really, really shocked. And most people hadn't even heard of Airbnb. So that's why I decided to write this book to spread the word about Airbnb and teach other hosts how they can maximize profits. Because I spent pretty much about two years trying to figure out how do I get the most out of it? You know, how do I make the most amount of money off my apartment and it's you know it's really about how how am i the best host i can be how do i create the best guest experience that i can right and just to put it in terms of annual income he's bringing in a little over sixty thousand dollars per year that's a full-time salary okay it's it's not the money he was making as a trader right like Jasper, obviously he, he did quite well but that's a lot of money and that's basically a full-time salary for doing essentially nothing once you get the business up and running and so that's how that's really what's funded Jasper's life for the last few years and often when we we talk to friends and and even my family and i and i describe it they just it just they just don't get it they can't they can't believe that something like this is even possible and it was it was airbnb that sort of connects the dots so so you told us a little bit you said your place is 800 square feet in Amsterdam, um, and, and, you, and you set up this listing. So tell us about the beginning when you first launched the listing and h how you were getting people and, and what were the modifications and the improvements that you eventually made to, to bring it to life and to get it where it's at today. Well, when I first started, I realized that the first thing I had to, I had to do was to get a lot of guests, to get a lot of bookings. So I, I started out with a fairly low price. And my apartment, to be honest, it, it was already pretty nicely furnished. It, it kind of already had everything you you need. But where I, where I really made a lot of improvements was learning how to make the guest experience better. And this the actually the biggest part 
and th this might sound a little strange, but the biggest part is actually pre-arrival. Because if you ask any any traveler who's used Airbnb, you ask them like, "Hey, what's your, what would be your biggest concern using Airbnb for your in your travels?" And people will say, "Well, you're very dependent on the host because you're you know you you get an address and you go there and you're just kind of hoping that the host will be there or somebody will be there to open the door for you." And if, if there's any issues or any problems during your stay, you're kind of relying on the host to help you out. Whereas if you're staying in a hotel, then you have that reassurance that there's always somebody at the hotel who will help you. And there was always somebody there to welcome you when you arrive. So the biggest concern that people have is, is my host going to take care of me? Is he going to make sure that you know, he's, is that person going to be there when I arrive? Is that person going to help me out when I run into issues? And what I found out is that by communicating well with your guests prior to their arrival, you can take away that fear. Because just imagine if you, let's say you do an inquiry with a, with a host and you make the booking and you immediately get a guidebook you get some emails telling the guests that if they have any questions, they can always reach you. Uh, you get like five different ways to communicate with your host. And, you know, like a week before, before departure, you get another email saying that, you know, if you have any questions, you can always, you can always ask. And the host lets you know that you're, that there's going to be someone there and that, if there's any issues, they'll help you out. That way you're going to feel comfortable. And keep in mind, some people travel all around the world. You know, I've had guests from Australia, from Asia, Japan, like US, all over the world, really. So people travel very far from home. So to, you know, to give that guest the feeling that they are going to be taken care of. That you're a responsible host who's going to be doing everything they can to make sure your guest has an awesome stay. That's by far the most important thing I've learned. I see. Now you've had a phenomenal set of reviews written, almost all five stars in every category. Uh, I know your your listing's done great, but do you, have you ever had a a guest that wasn't happy and what was the situation? How did you handle it? etc. Maybe, you know, so, something that we can give our listeners some, uh, maybe some good advice on how to deal with a similar circumstance. Absolutely. I had one guest who wasn't happy and well, I guess he wasn't happy. That's kind of an understatement. But, um, let me let me tell you the, this story. So I had hosted over sixty groups, and I had five star ratings across the board. I didn't have a single negative review. Everyone had been really really happy. And then one day, I received a message, and I actually uh, I actually got pulled up the email before um, before this this talk so that I could that I could tell it on the show. This is the email I received. Jasper, we moved out of your apartment this morning. 
Your apartment is not as advertised, and it's unacceptable. Loose electrical wires, poor lighting, a shower that stinks, location over a smelly fish store, etc. Kindly provide me with a rental refund for two days rental, or I will write to Airbnb explaining in detail why your apartment should be removed from its site. Please let me hear from you soon. So you can imagine, you, you can imagine I was, uh, I was a little bit shocked when I, when I received this email after having hosted over 60 groups of people and never had a single complaint. I, I felt, you know, I felt like where, where does this guy get the courage to, to send me an email like this? I was, I was furious at first. I literally just wanted to travel back to Amsterdam, go to my apartment and punch this guy in the face. I was so mad at him. Um, okay. You know so, I mean? so, so you, so you traveled back and you punched him and then what did you do? <laughs> yeah. And then I just punched him back to Canada. He's from Canada. Um, yeah, so I, I I was really mad for a little bit, and I didn't know what to respond. I think I wrote five drafts of angry emails, <laughs> and then and then I uh, fortunately I I was wise enough not to press the send button, but uh, I I cooled down. I tried to evaluate the situation, and as I was as I was cooling down, I started to realize that in the end, even though I think the guy was off base and it was kind of outrageous, especially that he was threatening me to write to Airbnb, it just felt really insulting. But I realized that in the end, he is the guest and I am the host. I'm responsible to make sure my guest has an awesome experience. And if my guest doesn't have a great experience, then that's my problem because I'm the host. So I have to deal with it. So I decided to offer my guest. Uh, well, first of all, I wrote him an email and I said, like, I was, I was sorry that he didn't um, find my apartment uh, satisfying and up to his standards. And I agreed with refunding him for the days that he didn't want to stay there. So he moved to the uh, to the Marriott Hotel. Um, and uh, yeah, I refunded him and I started thinking maybe I should just take his feedback serious, even though I, I thought it was uh, a little ridiculous. So... I just went through all the things he said. He talked about loose electrical wires. And I did find one wire that could have been sort of put away a little bit more nicely. And I did install some extra lighting. I, I had my cleaning lady pay extra attention to the shower. Um, the only thing is the fish store that's, that's in my street. This, I, I actually went over and asked them if they could relocate, but uh, they kind of just laughed at me. So I guess there's not much I can do about that. But uh, at least you can buy fresh fish 
nearby, which is uh, kind of nice. You know? That's true. That's a, that's a benefit of them staying nearby. So okay, so it's still sort of win win. But the, you know the the bottom line is I I went from being really angry and and wanting to kick his ass to taking his his feedback serious and the reason afterwards I thought this is actually kind of cool because this guy definitely was the pickiest person in the world. He probably only stays at five star hotels around the world and you know that's kind of what he was expecting I guess. He was expecting a five star hotel. And I think that's you know my listing doesn't doesn't really uh doesn't really communicate that that it's a five my apartment's not a five star hotel and I you know I don't say that. So it's a little unfair to expect that I think. But anyway, I figured if I can make this guy happy then I will never have another complaint in my life because I don't think there's anyone on this planet who would be more picky than this person. So I decided to take his feedback serious. I made the improvements, and as a result, I've improved my guest experience, which is great. So I guess in the end, I should really thank him. That's awesome. And so the overall, I mean, the, the bottom line is you turn, you kind of turned a negative into a bit, into a major positive. And at the end of the day, there may be people who are really high, high strung and maybe a bit out of touch with reality. But the idea is you can always learn something. And that's what you did. You took what you, what right. feedback you had and you implemented it. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, and the other thing is, you have to realize, yeah, you can't take it personal. You know what I mean? It's in the end, I am the host and I'm responsible for my guests. I'm responsible to make sure my guests have a great experience. And if for some reason they don't, you know, it's not, it's not on me to, to judge whether those, the reasons that my guests don't have a great time. I can't judge those reasons. The fact is, they, you know, if they don't have a good experience, then that's my problem. And I have to do something about it. I have to take that serious and, and make the improvements necessary. So that's, that's kind of, uh, it kind of gave me a more professional stance towards being a host because it made, it made me think about what my responsibilities were. And, you know, what is reasonable and, 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 and all those things. So in the end, it, it kind of helped me being a better host, which is really good. Right. That's awesome. Great story. Really interesting stuff about your Airbnb listing. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. The cool thing is about Jasper's story, other than the the Airbnb stuff and what he's doing now, is his life over the last four years, which we which we touched upon a little bit, has really been incredible. He's got a blog called The Traveling Dutchman, where you can read about his adventures and and jaunts and different different cool locations all over the place. But what we're probably going to do for those of you who want to know more about Jasper's travels and his story, we're probably going to do another follow-up episode to this one where Jasper tells some of his his best stories of, of different locations that he's been to in, in, in the last four years so you can get a better glimpse into his crazy Peter Pan-like existence. 
But uh, Jasper, thank you for being a guest on your own show and letting me <laughs> letting me quiz you and grill you a little bit. It's always fun. Uh, threw in <laughs> threw in one Dutch joke, which is which is pretty good. It's not too bad. Uh, but yeah, thanks <laughs> thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, again, you can catch us every Monday and Thursday. That's when we release our new episodes every Monday and Thursday. To get more information about how to rent out your place on Airbnb. Go to www.getpaidforyourpad.com. And guys, for more information on Jasper, you can find stuff on him in the show notes for today's episode. You can get those at www.getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash podcast. And by the way, guys, our book, uh, number one bestseller in several categories on Amazon Kindle, I believe travel. Uh, what else? What else do we hit? I think we are currently number one bestseller in bed and breakfasts, food and lodging, investments, and we're either number one or number two in real estate. Okay. So our book, which has done really nicely, performed very nicely on Amazon Kindle, you can get a copy there. Go to Amazon and search for Get Paid for Your Pad, and you can find it and buy it and enjoy it. Um, and that's And it's only 99 cents. Only 99 cents for a limited time. Uh, eventually, it's going to go back to full price, but for a limited time, you can get it at the very affordable 99 cents. So, guys... Thank you, Jasper. Thank you. And without further ado, we are wrapping another show. See you guys next time. Peace. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.